Three, two, one, go. Ready. Steady. Steady. <laughs> go. Go. That's what okay. they say on Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig? Do you know Peppa Pig? I, I am fortunate enough not to know Peppa Pig. Oh, well, I think you should count yourself unfortunate. Peppa Pig <laughs> is a uh, very nice, uh, lovely cartoon uh, from uh, Great Britain. Uh, that's all about these different animals. They live in a town together. They go to school together. But, you know, uh, apparently they don't say ready, set, go when it's race time. They say ready, steady, go. And because so, yeah, it's a pig. Pigs pigs are have to be kind of steady. They they have no what what uh, ligament you, that attaches wait. in their neck uh, to keep their head steady. So <laughs> they have to think be steady, I think. I think you're just being culturally inappropriate, uh, okay. insensitive. And, and, the, and Peppa probably is not much of a runner. So why are we talking about Peppa? I, well, I don't know. <laughs> you said one, two, three, go. And that set you off. Whatever. All right, guys. Well, today we are talking with Dr. Naomi Albertson. She was, she was fantastic having her in, talking in this first part about recovery more. Yeah, it was super awesome to, uh, you know, I, I feel the things that I feel when I'm trying to recover from our workout yesterday. Thank you so much, Matthew. Uh, and so to hear uh, some of the science behind recovery that, that Dr. Albertson gave us, um, to hear her views on some different parts of recovery, like sleep, uh, some really surprising things came out of uh, uh, research uh, that I don't think are widely known. Yeah, I just, on recovery, it was funny yesterday because you said, I just recovered from our last session. You spent the whole weekend recovering and you did recover. And then I said, okay, well, let's hit it again. And you're like, Matthew. (laughs) And we hit it again. It's just wrong. It is. Uh, So who is Dr. Albertson? You might be wondering. Well, she is a sports medicine and uh, emergency, not emergency injuries are kind of her specialty, overuse injuries, concussion management, actually too, which in a future podcast, we'll have to get her talking a little bit about that. There's an athlete that I was just talking to the other day, got kicked in the head in the pool while she mm, was swimming. Right. Actually, it was when we were at BAM, BAM, bam. camp, BAM. And so uh, I had advised her to consult with Dr. Albertson on that. But so she is certainly uh, quite the uh, polymath when it comes to being a doctor. She knows a lot more about nutrition, about training than most doctors. I've been working with her for, geez, I would say at least... 10 years now and we've uh the day that she came into the facility it was surprising to me to even meet her in person because i knew one of the athletes that i was coaching was seeing her for her concussion but dr albertson just wanted to see the type of training she was doing and she was just there to really observe and i was impressed by that i mean how many doctors show up to an athlete's training that's somebody who cares really cares about their clients and their athletes and and also is humble enough to say hey wait i could come in here and and learn something and ask be able to ask questions and and dig deeper yeah no absolutely so dr albertson talked today quite a bit about recovery and what we can do to maximize recovery so i think you guys can really get a lot out of this episode i mean hopefully you get a lot of every episode but this this time it's from a doctor. <laughs> okay, so it's it's actually science-based. Um, I do make up a lot of stuff, and 
then I don't really know, you know, where it's coming from and it just sounds good. No, I really don't do that, guys. But I, I love to get a doctor's perspective on things. And especially, again, with her background, she was a competitive gymnast when she was younger. Uh, she, her passion is in sports performance. So she's she's quite the... She's the real deal. She's the real deal. So uh, there you go. Listen to The Real Deal, Dr. Nye, without further ado... People say that too much, but... Let's give uh, just a tiny bit of a do here. Now, you just said Dr. Nye, but but her name is Dr. Naomi Albertson. Yes, and her product is Dr. Nye, uh, Dr. Nye's, which that's got uh, calcium and creatine, vitamin D3, no crazy proprietary blends in there. And this is not something that we are paid to talk about. It's just actually something that I really like to use myself. I believe in it. And we have been working together a long time. I trust her. So we talked a little bit about the supplement. But what I love about her is that she's educating first. She's always educating everyone about what they can do for their health and their fitness and longevity, those things. And then, oh, by the way, this is also something you can take if you're interested. But she doesn't sell her product, if you know what I mean. It's not a hard sale. No. no. And I, I don't have sponsors. I'm not going to have sponsors so just know that this is just something that we wanted to talk about because I think that when it comes to supplements, it's something you can trust. And so that's why we talked about it. But regardless of whether or not you take supplements or decide to check out Dr. Nye's, it's just, I think, good information for recovery to listen to. And that's the most important thing. We're going to listen in on how we can improve recovery with better sleeping hygiene. Sounds good. Yeah, man. Welcome back, everyone. This is Matt Pandola. I'm your hostess with the mostest with the Relative Run Readiness Podcast, along with Mr. Chad Sweet. Chad, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm all right. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's not exciting at all. Let's go over to Naomi and find out how all right she is. Dr. Naomi Albertson, uh, we gave a little bit of a introduction for her, and uh, she's one of a specialist that I have worked with for several years right now. She's in to talk to us to help to educate us a little bit more on some of the science behind the training when it comes to recovery for runners, and we're just so lucky to have Naomi with us. How are we today, Naomi? I'm great. How are you? you Matt oh you know I mean I feel like everyone asks that but do you really mean it all right do you do you really care how I am Naomi I do actually she cares how you're recovering are you recovered exactly right that's what she cares about I'm under recovered I'll be honest with you we're going to talk about this in the podcast quite a bit but Hey, listen, I got here this morning at 4.30 in the morning, which I love getting to the facility early. I can knock out some stuff. Uh, I actually worked with a couple athletes already, that sort of thing. But it, it's hard to get enough sleep in. We're going to be talking about that. So am I under-recovered today? Yeah, probably a little bit. And and I'll, I'll talk more about how I plan on recovering for my next quality session day that I'm going to do later on this week. I have a little bit of a strategy to that. Not saying it's a good one, but it works (laughs) for now, right? So, Dr. Nye, you are on the podcast because we want to learn from you. We want to find out what you really think about recovery patterns, how they work, and we're going to start off with sleep. So, I just admitted that, well, last night I got six and a half hours of sleep, and I'm wondering... If I got six and a half hours of sleep last night, but then tonight I plan on getting more like eight 
eight and a half hours of sleep. It's kind of how my schedule goes during the week. I can sleep in a little bit longer tomorrow and uh, actually rather, sorry, not sleep in. I can go to bed earlier tonight, so I'll get in a little bit more sleep tonight. Um, does that work? Can I catch up with sleep if I average eight hours a night, but not necessarily get eight hours each night? How does that work? That's a great question. So, and you're focusing on eight hours, which is really interesting because some of the research is actually suggesting more like 10 to 12. And what, as you know, like some of the division one college athletes now are required to go to bed at a specific time. They would actually lose scholarship money if they're not getting adequate sleep. Oh my word. So there's really good research. There's a a lot of research coming out of Stanford University recently um, about sleep, and I think they've kind of led the way with their basketball team as well regarding sleep and sleep recovery. So that being said, I mean, I think, you know, eight is the minimum. Um, it's a great question. Like, can you sleep six one night and 12 another and kind of, you know, find an average? Probably. Um, you know, sleep is one of those things that you're probably running into, Matt, with some of the Olympians, too, who are traveling all over the world and competing and many teams will actually use sleep to their own advantage. So like they will, you know, in the Olympics down in South America, the U.S. swimmers, for example, had their events pretty much in the middle of the night for them, which was specific by design to try to wreck their recovery and wow. their performance. So that's I mean, underhanded. It Sneaky. sure is underhanded, yeah. but man, it works. Huh. And, you know, and so a lot of these athletes really, you know, they really do need to dial in that sleep. They need to figure out how they're going to sleep pre-event and, you know, following event for recovery. But I mean, it's critical, you know, sleep not only duration, but quality. Yeah, that's a sneaky little equation they use there. When when I worked with, I worked with a professional boxer and his, he was going to, his event was going to be at 10 o'clock at night in Vegas. So we met at the facility at 10 o'clock at night to train then to get him used to that. Right. And he purposely adjusted his sleep patterns around that because it's hard to go to, to sleep after you've been working that hard. And so we had to completely adjust his sleeping patterns and try to take a nap in the middle of the day, uh, that sort of thing. So really important that you kind of get wired up for something like that. But what I was thinking of when you were talking is just with sleeping patterns and getting to bed on time, they they have like like sleep police now, right? For these athletes yep. that you were talking about, and they did find that, uh, of course, they're uh, they perform better. What what I thought was really interesting, I'm getting into the world of ultra running a little bit more. Um, not that I've done a lot just on my own. I've been kind of building up to be able to do my first real like 50 mile. Um, race in the mountains, but this is where I was listening to an ultra runner who actually had a specialist for recovery on his team. And it was like, gobble down your food as soon as you get done running for the day, because he was doing a multi-day race and and get to get to sleep. I mean, right. that was like, she was uh, the police on that. And it's, you have five minutes to eat and then you need to get, you need to start winding down, you need to do some breathing drills and you need to do a little bit of meditation and then get yourself to sleep. Right. So uh, he, he testified that his performance was uh, at its peak in that multi-stage event because of this sleep police 
kind of pattern that, that he had there. Pretty interesting. Absolutely. And I mean, I would say too that, you know, the medical information about, you know, sleep has changed how, medis- how medicine is practiced now, right? We know that, that um, mistakes are made when you're not sleeping. And obviously that neurocognitive effect is also affecting your muscle performance and everything else. And so, you know, now, I mean, residency has changed significantly so that, you know, residents have to have a certain amount of sleep between, you know, shifts in the hospital for the same reason. It's performance. Listen, I want to ask the question that everyone else at home is asking. Who has time to sleep 12 hours a day? <laughs> Who can do that? Do we need to revamp a whole society? We got to change working. We got to change school. Well, you know, and that's where I think uh, we'll talk a little bit more about with nutrition and training, how I think we can uh, we can improve those things a lot more specifically too. I think with the training where we have to be realistic about where we're at, because we're not full-time professional athletes um, for the most part. You know, right. there's there's some people that may be doing that, but I know that with running a business and being a father and uh, a husband, that all of that means that I don't get to take a nap in the middle of the day. It's not going to happen, and I'm never going to get 12 hours of sleep. Does that mean that I need to scale back some of the, the training that I do? I think that's about training smarter than harder and getting more out of it. So I go more of the minimal effective dosing principle there. Whereas, of course, elite athletes, the difference is we should not train like them unless we are uh, where, where, where they're at specifically because that is their job to recover and they have their massage therapist stop by and right. they have their experts, uh, that surround them and help them with their nutrition, et cetera. They have their coaches that program in the right amount of dosing at the right time. But these, these principles only work, I think, if that is your full-time job. So we'll get into talking about how we can make this work for the rest of us mere mortals, right? Right. But uh, with somebody like Chad here, he, he's been now training with me. He started to work out again once he um, came on full-time as one of the partners in our Relative Run Readiness program. And because of that, we know that he needs to really work on a little bit more recovery so he can respond from that training. But it doesn't always work out perfectly. He has some jackass calling him up at, uh, you know, 10 o'clock at night saying, hey, did you get those video links done yet? Because I actually need them for tomorrow. <laughs> oh, wait, that's me. Um, but, you know, that's that's part of the equation. And uh, again, running a business isn't always just black and white. You don't always get to connect the dots as perfectly as um, as you would like. It doesn't always go between nine and five. But I think, I mean, too, to come back to your question, Chad, of like, can any really sleep 12 hours a day? I mean, no, unless it's your full-time job, right? But that being said, like getting adequate and high quality sleep as best you can when, you know, in order to recover, absolutely has shown, you know, that it improves performance. And, and I think it does, you know, beg the question of, like you said, you know, school, what about school? You know, I mean, during this pandemic, it's been really interesting. I can tell you my 12 year old who seems to be growing like every single day, he is absolutely benefiting from the fact that every other day he gets to sleep in. Absolutely. And so, you know, should we reconsider as a society, you know, changing, like, when does work? When does school start? When does that day end? You know, yeah. I mean, these things have been looked at in different societies, different countries, and absolutely the 
performance, you know, whether it's your job or your sport, improves with improved sleep. Or school, whether it's school, job, Absolutely. performance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and well, let's take, for example, though, we all have, uh, I, I have one kid you chad you have four right four kids four of them man that's a lot and then (laughs) naomi you have two kids i do so you know i'll start off with my reality and and that was that mia was two months premature when she was born now she's nine now i think i just sort of you know caught up with my sleep since that first uh, that first year was rough in the best way possible but it was rough and then i also <clears throat> started i made the decision that i wasn't going to um compete on a national level for a while and i think really honestly i'm probably going to do it in a couple years from now where i'm really trying to peak out as a master competitor but i i made that decision in part because i was uh, hitting my bike session at 4 30 in the morning coming home so that i could spend time with mia before i took off for the rest of the day and i was too tired to enjoy it right and and especially as she got older and wanted to run around and and have me chase her Mm -hmm. i i needed the energy for that so i made that choice but my recovery clearly was not optimal with uh these new patterns that were kind of thrown into my life and there's no real book on it that says hey you're gonna be a daddy now this is how you do it and i don't think if that book existed i don't think i would even read it because it's different for everybody exactly Right. But like with you, Chad, I think um, because you have the youngest out of all of us, uh, you have a two year old and that's got to be I I know you plan your pretty much your whole day around your two year old. Right. Yeah. And and most of that is planning around sleep, actually, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I'm uh, I put her down for naps and and for good or bad, we got into the habit that that I lay with her. I don't just like put her down and leave her and and walk away. And I actually quite enjoy that time, that intimate time Mm -hmm. uh, spent uh, putting her to sleep. And then, you know, maybe I'll catch five hour or five minutes myself. Um, Sometimes it feels like five hours. and that's fantastic. And then, you know, go away and, and wait for her to wake up. And then we're, I'm already planning, okay, how can I get her down for bedtime? And, and what time is that actually really going to be, you know, not only with uh, our two year old, but you know, we've got a 10 year old and a 12 year old that are still in the house. And, and, you know, they, their schedules also impact the baby's schedule and also impact um, my wife's schedule and my schedule. And yeah, it's all, it's all quite a funny little pinball universe that happens. But isn't it funny? Like, I mean, as parents and of course, and you know, I've taken care of lots of pediatric patients over the years and babies as well. And learning those sleep habits is critical for development, right? And duh, I mean, it's critical for us too. It's just, we pay less attention to it as we get older, right? We kind of sacrifice sleep for work or for other activities. Yeah. It just doesn't seem productive. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, what at least our current culture and society is based on is productivity. Exactly. But obviously, I mean, just like you're saying with your daughter, like, you know, having that, if like you were saying at the beginning, Matt, like if you can't sleep, you know, eight hours one day, like, should you try and get in a cat nap? Yeah. Why not? Right. Of course, that's going to improve your productivity. It's of course going to improve your neurocognitive state. It's of course going to improve your performance. So why not, right? Throw in that five minute nap, throw in a 10 minute nap. If you can't get a full eight, 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to bring up just on my mind right now what probably a lot of people deal with. But I I know that I fell down a little bit of a rabbit hole where I was getting in a cup of coffee in the morning, helping me to wake up. And then as time went on and I was having more and more sporadic sleep, especially when in those developmental years for, for Mia, when I was still had to be sort of on it in uh, during my day, um, I had to be, you know, cognitive. I had to be able to be the best coach possible, but uh, that meant more caffeine. And then the more caffeine I took in, uh, the harder it was for me to go to bed, even when I was tired. And, and so I just think that's something to I would like to ask you about, Naomi, a little bit more, because I, I think this is a common problem that we uh, caffeine is the most probably abused uh, stimulant, even though it's it's um, considered to be. Well, of course, it's a legal stimulant mm-hmm. and it's considered to be safe enough. But uh, boy, I, t- I tell you, I'm a I I was taking probably a good 600 milligrams of caffeine a day at, um, at one point just to get through the day, and then it just kind of steamrolls from there. And I eventually just bit the bullet and said, okay, I've got to get my sleep patterns back. I, I I've got to just go without caffeine and then then bring back in that cup of coffee, which you know, quite honestly, I have right now. But I do cut myself off and say, okay, it's noon. That now it's time to switch over to caffeine-free tea or something, and, and you know, and those habits are hard to to break. But how much do you deal with that as a as a doctor working with people who are, you know, trying to reach their goals and trying to be healthy, but at the same time maybe doing some things that aren't so healthy for their recovery? Absolutely. I mean, I think you know, like you're describing, you know, just fatigue throughout the day, trying to you know balance a lot of different balls at once. The pandemic has thrown all sorts of new roles at all of us. I think, you know, a lot of people who had been, you know, invested in their health are doing exactly that, Matt. And they're, you know, well, shoot, I need to get two more hours out of this day. So I'm going to have another cup of coffee. The flip side of that is then they can't go to sleep. So what do they do? Have a glass of wine right? Or two. And then you get into that slippery slope of how alcohol really messes with your sleep patterns as well. And your, you know, respirations during sleep and your quality of sleep and everything else and actually wakes you up often several hours later. So, I mean, I think, yes, it's critical. We have to think about what we're putting in our system to, you know, maximize performance, but also to maximize the quality of our sleep and the, you know, ability to sleep. Well, you just said the quality of sleep too, because uh, I had surgery um, a, a few months back now, and I dealt with for uh, most of my life. I was a very heavy uh, snorer, right? And I would actually wake up gasping for air because I w- I was basically um, suffocating. And this went on for years and years and years. And then finally, I went to go see an ENT, and he said, uh, "Yeah, you you could definitely benefit from from surgery." And it was quite intensive. The the surgery was a lot. Um, I had a lot done at once. A lot of tissue removed. Mm-hmm. I think forty uh, percent of Whew. my my tissues, which is a lot. And, you know, it, it basically I said, you know, why, why was I all of a sudden now it's just be, being so evident that I need this? He said, well, you needed it 20 years ago. It's just you didn't feel it as much because you were 20 years younger. And that, of course, makes complete sense. But now that I've had the surgery, man, I mean, I don't snore anymore. 
I sleep through the night. The, the sleep is deep and I dream more than ever. I can tell I've gotten good quality sleep. And so that's just something about quality too. Um, I wonder how many people are even trying to get that eight hours of sleep a night, but um, how good is that eight hours of sleep, right? And these sleeping patterns are so important to be able to, I think, uh, put yourself into a cycle that you can consistently do. So that's where I um, start to think about waking up every morning at the same time. Now, when I go to bed, again, not always when I need to go to bed, but it seems like when I do have maybe one night where I sleep for even sometimes it's down to five and a half hours. So I'm okay for that day. But then that night, if I don't get to sleep early, if I don't get more sleep in, then that that next day can be pretty rough. And I'm like, what do you want? What do you want? Give me my coffee. Um, so, you know, just what's your... I think that's a good question, though. Like, is it more important to go to bed at the same time every night? Or is it more important to get up at the same time every day? Yeah, it's wake time is what we focus on more than anything. I think... That's surprising to me. Yeah. I you're surprised I, that's that not... I'm right? That's what you're surprised <laughs> I already know. Wake time is really important for normal circadian rhythms. And, you know, we see it with patients who've had head injuries who are really struggling with sleep. But if we can get them to follow that normal same wake time, they often will convert right back into normal sleep patterns. Um, it's incredibly helpful. The bedtime can be a little bit trickier, right? I mean, and especially like Matt mentioned, if you just drank a whole bunch of stimulants, you're not going to bed, right? And, and or if you did a hard workout right before bed. If you, you know, have a lot on your mind from work or for whatever reason, right, your your bedtime may fluctuate a little bit. Now with kids, it's a little easier to control bedtime because we're the ones planning their activities. We're the ones planning their, you know, when they're eating, what they're doing after, you know, in the evening. But my, my kids tell me when they go to bed. <laughs> That's not my choice. Right. And and I think too, in your older kids, like in your high schoolers, a lot of them are staying up late to do homework. But but they still have to get up the same time to go to school, right? And so, um, so you know, I think for adults, for you know, people who are actively exercising, you know, it's less important, you know, exactly when that bedtime is. Like, it does not have to be exactly nine thirty or ten or whatever. It can fluctuate a little bit, but going after that same wake time makes a difference in how your brain functions. Hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think that works well. I found it works well for me. And there's there there are a couple of things out there that uh, talk about this. I think it's um, why we sleep is uh, I think the name of the book that I read uh, a couple of years back, and that that helped me with my sleep hygiene a little bit more. And when I say sleep hygiene. I don't always do this, but I'm pretty good about doing this most nights where I will uh, read a real book, not not a Kindle or something, but but an actual book, uh, you know, for about a half an hour or so. And then I'm tired and I want to go to sleep. Yep. And uh, and so that's something that I try to commit to um, where I'll I, I even though do my reading downstairs and uh, I read I read and then I feel tired. I go upstairs. I go to bed because I try to make going to bed the bed for sleeping. OK, my little something, something on the side, but a sleeping mainly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, sorry, Aaron. And but basically, look, it's it's true. It's uh, I think that when you start watching TV in bed um, and even potentially, I think reading in bed was a little bit distracting for me, too. Um, I, I think I trained myself that when my head hits the pillow now, it's time to go to sleep. Yep. 
And I think that started to work for me when I, even even though I was reading to read downstairs and then go to bed. Um, you know, any any thoughts on that, you guys, yeah. what, what you've experienced there? I mean, I think, you know, there's very good research that shows that um, having your room be dark quiet. Um, if you're somebody who constantly is thinking about stuff and just can't quiet that down, um, you know, playing some, you know, babbling brook kind of music in the background or that sort of thing can be helpful for some people, some white noise. Um, making it cool in your bedroom matters. Um, making your, your, your feet cool matters. So, you know, don't go to sleep with wool socks on. Um, it definitely impacts your sleep quality, which is kind of interesting. Wait, but um, uh, sleep number bed is now touting <laughs> that you, they can warm your feet for you. Right. Isn't that funny? Isn't that, but, but that's not good <laughs> is what you're saying. It's, it, it's probably not good for sleep quality. Some, you know, people like to feel warm and comfortable, obviously, but you know, many people poke their feet out the bottom of their covers to keep them cool so that they can fall asleep a little bit easier. Hmm. Nice. Right. Yeah. And then I think, you know, like you've done Matt, like making your bed bed where you sleep. So not doing other stuff in bed, right outside of what you mentioned. Mainly, mainly um, you know, I mean, but like, you know, not watching TV, not watching, um, you know, looking at your phone, your computers. And then just that, I mean, the blue light issues with computer screens are real. And, um, you know, I always ask my patients, like, do you remember the company blue blockers? Remember like way back in the eighties and early nineties? Well, they went out of business because people were falling asleep at the wheel. Right. So those blocking that blue light really does get your brain, you know, wave activity to quiet down and allow you to get into that normal circadian rhythm for sleep. So, you know, if you are going to be on a screen before bedtime, getting a pair of glasses that blocks the blue light from the screen can be really helpful. Some of the newer screens actually have um, that ability as a function on the screen to just turn off the blue light. Oh, beautiful. Yep. Yeah, that's really good. Um, we're going to have a part two here, guys, where we're going to talk about more nutrition and training. And Dr. Albertson is going to be doing that with us. So listen to part two. But before we come off this podcast, Naomi, do want to give you an opportunity to talk just a little bit about your product, Dr. Nyes. And uh, why the heck would I use Dr. Nyes, Naomi? What the heck is is Dr. Nice. No problem. So Dr. Nice OC2 is a um, natural product that is was created both for um, bone and muscle support. So for anybody who's active, who's doing regular exercise, who's older than the age of about 35, we think that giving your body adequate supplement to allow for improved recovery um, and improved muscle strength and bone health is really critical. So that's what it is. Yeah, guys, I started using Dr. Nye's myself and just really noticed uh, a big difference in my strength and um, also in recovery. And I will explain a little bit more how that works. What I love about Naomi, though, is she doesn't sell her product. She gives good information. And from there, you can make decisions. I don't take any sponsorships with this show and I don't plan to, I mean, unless somebody's got some major money, you know, then I will totally <laughs> sell out. Um, but, but no guys, I do believe in Dr. Albertson. So when she came up with this product, I knew it was something that was, um, well thought out that the science was behind it. And you look at vitamin D three and you look at calcium, you look at creatine, 
these are all things that I know I can benefit from, especially as I get older. So we'll talk a little bit more about that, but for sure, check out her product. You can see it in the show notes. And until next time, when we're talking about nutrition and training, you guys take care of you, get good sleep, get good recovery, and, uh, and be good. Good night, everybody.